Next, they're gonna show my movie. You made a movie? I made a movie? Don't cry for me. I'm already dead. Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. This podcast brought to you again by SaneBox. If you are tired of working for your email and want it to work again for you, if you are terrified of that mountain of email that comes flooding in that you don't know how to manage, SaneBox.com slash Weekly Standard. I'll give you details on how you can try it for free for two weeks and get $25 in credit. Adam White, attorney extraordinaire and also at the Hoover Institute, is joining us to talk about watching history be made. And I'll be honest with you, Adam, I watched the vote overriding the rule on the filibuster, and I felt like I was watching history, was I? Well, I suppose so. It was an important vote, but so much of this was already foreordained, especially after the Senate Democrats changed the judicial filibuster rule three years ago to get some of President Obama's judicial nominations in. I, I like to compare it to Barney Gumble of The Simpsons saying, uh, don't cry for me, I'm already dead. The, uh, the filibuster <laughs> rule died long ago, and today just marks the Republicans' recognition of that fact. And uh, it also reminds us that everything you need to know, you'll learn from watching The Simpsons. That's very important right. as well. So what does this mean for ju- the judiciary? Is this going to become the judicial version of pitchforks and mobs in the streets, you know, pure democracy, pushing people on the courts and no, you know, no need for consensus? It's going to be partisanship all the way down? Well, I don't know if it'll be pitchforks and mobs in the street, but... <laughs> well, then I then forget noticed. it. Let's, let's end this podcast. I have no interest if it's not going to be that. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> well, in case you hadn't heard, the Supreme Court nomination process was already a little bit contentious, uh, and Whoa. so is the uh, the process for confirming the lower court judges. And it's probably fitting. I mean, just, the late Justice Scalia pointed this out in one of his famous dissents in one of the big uh, abortion rights cases, where he said, if the, to the extent that the Supreme Court and other courts want to take on so much power and take it away from the people... The people will make their voices heard through the confirmation process. And so it's already a pretty heated process. The elimination, the last formal elimination of this last filibuster rule, I, I don't know that it'll make too much of a difference. I mean, quite frankly, most through history, most Supreme Court justices didn't face uh, filibusters. In fact, Justices Thomas and Alito both were confirmed with less than 60 votes, less votes than would have been necessary to clear a filibuster. So I don't think it'll change it that much. It will facilitate the much more efficient appointment to, of uh, judges to the lower court. And I'm sure President Trump uh, and his assistants are already drawing up lists of, of judges for those courts. And I think it will make a difference in terms of facilitating judges on those courts. But again, uh, as far as the lower courts go, that's a rule change that Senator Reid and Senator Schumer made uh, three years ago to confirm President Obama's judges. Yes, the Reid rule. And I don't think people on the right have spent enough time talking about that fact, that if Senator Reid hadn't said you no longer need a 60-vote majority to change the rules, a simple majority will let you change the rules, he put every rule at risk by doing that. And it was a decision the Democrats made, and they cheered. And uh, I also think it's important to remind people that as recently as October, Senator Reid was saying that if the Republicans tried to uh, cause any trouble, that they would uh, get rid of the filibuster for the Supreme Court just like that. And he snapped his fingers. And so we were headed here anyway. The question is, is this good news or bad news for conservatives? I would say that the fight over judicial nominations, uh, the filibustering of lower court judges dating back to the early uh, Bush 43 years, 
and what's unfolded since then, it's not a happy sight, obviously. As somebody who believes in constitutional uh, institutions, I'm always sorry to see these things degrade over time. Right. Um, that's it's, it's nothing to celebrate, but, but the fact remains that the benefit of recognizing the, the, and formally acknowledging the change that's happened, it will allow uh, good conservative judges to be appointed to the courts. One of my concerns was that Republicans would not follow through on this, and, and in fact, that they might even uh, reinstate the rules that Reed and Schumer got rid of, which would right. mean that effectively Republicans would face a higher standard in the Senate for getting their judges through than Democrats would. And and that's just fundamentally unfair. It's it's unilateral disarmament. And so in that respect, conservatives should be happy. But again, this all begins with a couple of very sad incidents. One is the radical change of the judicial confirmation process, beginning with the Bork nomination. And then in 2003, Senator Schumer and others deciding to start filibustering uh, many uh, judicial nominations, including some non-controversial ones. And I'd like to say that I think Senator Schumer re- sowed the wind in 2003, and now he reaps the whirlwind. For you know, better and for worse. if you can quote The Simpsons and the Bible in the same podcast, you've done a good job. Well, I'll try for Yogi Berra later, but let's just uh, <laughs> keep going. Nobody quotes him anymore. He, I, I was trying to think of a way to turn that quote. It's, uh, it's too crowded. I, that won't work. I'm, I, let me re- edit that out. That was a lou- lousy line. Uh, like right. most of my, I, I know what you're thinking. Why would you edit that one out, Graham? The rest of them are pretty terrible too. <laughs> Adam White, before I ask you the big question, I want to ask our listeners, are you afraid of your email? Has the mountain of emails gotten so deep that you know you'll never get back to inbox zero? Are you afraid of losing important emails because of the tidal wave of junk that just comes pouring in and you don't know what to do? Look, I've been there and I was rescued and I want to send you my lifeline, SaneBox.com. SaneBox sorts through your email and moves all the trivial stuff to a different folder so the only messages that you get in your inbox are the ones that you want in your inbox. Aside from removing all the junks, you can focus on messages that matter. They also have this cool thing called the black hole. You get an email. You know you never want to open an email from that person or source. You just drag it to your black hole and poof, you will never hear from that sender again. Because we could all use some more organization in our email lives, here at the Weekly Standard, we've got a deal for you. You go to samebox.com slash weekly standard today. You can try it for two weeks, and if you decide to sign up, they'll add an additional $25 credit. Go to samebox.com slash weekly standard today. You don't even have to enter your credit card information unless you decide to buy, so you have nothing to lose except for the pain in the neck that is your huge overflowing email box. Get to Inbox Zero. Visit SaneBox.com slash Weekly Standard today. Okay, Adam, like I told you, the big question. Are we ready for a future where the moderates on the court are Alito and Liz Warren? Because isn't this where you end up? That's such a terrifying thought. I'm speechless. Because, Um, I mean, think about it. Who cares about court nominees? You know, uh, Donald Trump is president because Merrick Garland was not put on the court. And so there was an empty seat waiting. And so conservatives like my parents who are evangelical Christians down in Lexington County, South Carolina, and loathe Trump (laughs) as a person. They voted for him because we got to fill that seat. 
Who else cares about that? Only the activists care. And so the activists are going to demand the next president. When when Chelsea Clinton is running against the the George P. Bush kid, that's going to be the fight. Well, keep in mind, sometimes presidents will need to get Supreme Court nominations confirmed by a Senate that isn't controlled by the same party. And sometimes presidents will need to get Supreme Court uh, nominations confirmed by very closely divided uh, divided Senates, where moderate senators of either party might bristle uh, at confirming an extremist even from their own party. Uh, I think we'll see how that plays out, and that'll play out over time. But you're right. I mean, th- there will be some marginal effect in terms of getting more uh, ideologically uh, vocal uh, judges on the court that might not have otherwise been nominated. And the possible good outcome of that, possible, people start noticing that the courts are you know, out there making the, in essence, kind of making laws they go. And people say, you know, we need to have fewer things for them to, to do, deal with. So we'll either pass laws that are more clear and harder to interpret or we'll give the government less to do. It, 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 hey, I can dream. Can I, Adam? Well, it'll, you know what else will be really interesting will be the next nomination, if, especially if President Trump gets another mm-hmm. nomination. The amazing thing in this entire process of this, this latest nomination was that Senate Democrats were willing to set the filibuster on fire because they knew once they started filibustering Gorsuch, they all knew where this was going to end. The fact that they would end the filibuster, the judicial nomination filibuster, over a conservative but pretty mild-mannered judicial nominee who's replacing another conservative, Justice Scalia, that never made any real sense. I would have thought that Senate Democrats at some point would have regained their senses and tried to hold on to the filibuster for the next nomination in case it's Trump replacing, say, Ruth Bader Ginsburg or or Anthony Kennedy. Um, Now that the filibuster is gone, it'll be interesting to see how those nominations play out with just once again, a, a very narrow 50-51 vote threshold. You'll find out how wide that door has been kicked open, Adam White, when President Trump announces his next choice for the Supreme Court, Judge Dredd. It's going to be a very frightening <laughs> day. No, it's I, I look when 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 Judge Pryor gets nominated. <laughs> It's a 51-vote threshold. That's the day that there'll be a lot of uh, laughing at uh, Senator Schumer and former Senator Harry Reid. You said Judge Dredd, and I thought you were bringing it all back to Liz Warren again. <laughs> we started with the Simpsons. We went to the Holy Scriptures, had to close with Stallone. I think that is Amen. the trifecta. Amen. Adam White, thanks for joining us, and thanks for the great work at the Hoover Institute. Keep it up. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to The Daily Standard. That's right. The Weekly Standard podcast comes to you every weekday, every Friday. It's the crystal clear edition of the podcast, so you don't want to miss that. And the best way to never miss a podcast is go to iTunes or Google Play and subscribe to the podcast. While you're there, please give us a five-star rating, leave a note, a ranking, send a message, let people know you found something that you enjoy listening to. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Michael Graham.